We're talking about Cam Bynum. We're talking about Adam Thielen and all of your other burning questions here on this Twitter Tuesday mailbag episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You might notice that I sound a little hoarse, <laughs> a little bit worse than I did yesterday, too. Uh, I uh, went to the Vikings Chargers game. I was lucky enough to be in the stands. I was hooting and hollering. I threw my voice out a little bit. Bear with me. Um, and today is Twitter Tuesday. Real quick, a note of news before we uh, get into all of your burning questions. Uh, Garrett Bradbury and Dakota Dozier were spotted in the facility, which means they're probably coming off the COVID-19 uh, IR list, which is nice. Get some OL depth back, um, you know, get the starting center back and all that stuff. There's some questions about him too, so we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, today is Twitter Tuesday. If you ever have a question for me, you can always send it to me at NFL or at Locked On Vikings on Twitter. You can send an email to the Locked On Vikings podcast at gmail.com account, and you can fill out the Google form, which is in the show notes. So first one comes from Troy MCC, who says, have you noticed a decline in Adam Thielen's ability to separate against sticky man coverage? And this is wild to me. So when I was at the game, and then I kind of uh, turn on my phone after I got home, this was like a prevailing thing that people were like, where did Adam Thielen go? Is he washed? Is he gone? And, and that baffles me because sitting in the stands, he was open all day. Chargers fans next to me were like, wow, that number 19 is open all day. They didn't even know who he was. Like he was open all the time. And I think the tape will kind of vindicate him a little bit. Um, I have a similar question here coming from Chris who says, has the couple weeks of low production for KJ Osborne just been natural regression of the mean? Have you seen anything negative in his play, or is it just a product of things around him? Um, my answer to that is probably more of a product of things around him. The thing about wide receiver play is it's just kind of weird sometimes. Sometimes you have a big Adam Thielen day. Sometimes it's a big Justin Jefferson day. Sometimes it's a big KJ Osborne day. And it's just kind of whatever side you happen to be on, whether you're the high or the low on the play, whether you put him in a high low and which one the defender picks. Like there's a lot of stuff about wide receiver that you can't really control as the receiver. Now you can control against man coverage if you get open you can control if you did a good job finding a hole in the zone on like a search route that's meant to do that or something like that there are definitely i mean i'm not saying like wide receivers can be anyone um but from a game to game like super granular level yeah sometimes guys are just gonna it's just not your day and that's not really a, a, a measure of whether or not you did anything wrong and i think on a, to a greater degree we kind of get stuck in these prisoner of the moment things you know with Thielen or with osborne when there is a game where somebody doesn't get a lot of catches, I think it's so easy to spiral into like, well, why didn't he get any catches? Is he bad? Is he old now? We kind of thought maybe, I mean, he's 32. Maybe he's bad. Is he bad? Should he be bad? Should we trade him? And it's like, like calm down. Like, and I think especially on the TV copy, I went home and I rewatched the game on the TV copy and that TV's camera was pretty zoomed in. There was a lot of times where Adam Thielen was open downfield and you couldn't see him. Um, so and that's why I think the tape will kind of vindicate him a little bit. He got open a lot. He's good at his job. He's still good at his job. And I think so is KJ Osborne. It's just how it goes. It was a big Justin Jefferson thing. We got him a lot of targets. We wanted that, right? Uh, Wade French says, how much credit or blame should coaching get? 
for the readings on the Kirk chaos meter, asking the question in light of Zimmer saying he told Kirk to push down the, the ball down the field and emphasizing targeting Jefferson more. Um, yeah, so for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter or read my game recaps that come out on Mondays, uh, yeah, the Kirk chaos meter is a thing, a joke thing that I've devised to measure Kirk's chaoticness in the game. Not necessarily how good he was, but how chaotic he was from, you know, check down conservative Kirk all the way up to, oh my God, fumble those crazy Kirk. And there's this like perfect little medium in between. So that's a, that's a Kirk meter. Like that is a measure of Kirk Cousins himself and my, uh, my readings of the meter. The meter does not blame Kirk Cousins for, say, uh, a third and nine play where all the routes were seven yards or something like that. That's not a Kirk Cousins chaos thing. It's the chaotic stuff Kirk Cousins does, like fumbling or like throwing a screen to the wrong side to a, a receiver that's not there, which might not have been his fault, but it still kind of felt chaotic. But it's a, the, to the best of my ability. It's a Kirk Cousins meter. Uh, Ryder Jensen <laughs> says, why does it seem the fan base wants Zimmer or Spielman fired even if they get the wild card playoff spot? By that logic, there would be like 24 coaches and GMs fired this offseason. Um, yeah, I, I've kind of said that point a lot where it's like, you know, what is your standard for a guy who should keep his job? Not get coach of the year, but keep his job, right? And, and a lot of people say, well, Super Bowl or fire him. And it's like, well, then you're firing everybody, right? And every single team is firing their coach every single year. That can't be how we operate here, right? We have to stay in reality. So I definitely get that. With Zimmer himself, I mean, it's year eight. And getting to the wild card round, being a seven seed and then like dying unceremoniously would kind of not be that much better than just not making the playoffs anyways. Um, so and, you know, worst draft pick or whatever, if you care about that, I personally do not just win the game in front of you. But uh, yeah, so that's, I, I think, why. Um, I don't know. I think if they turn the season that looked like pretty in the dumps around and they get a chance. I mean, again, chip chair in a dream. That's all I need. Right. Get yourself in the dance and we'll talk about what happens after that. Uh, shoot that S says hearing a lot of calls from Mason Cole to replace Bradbury. Is Cole's play a mirage due to playing poor talent or is there really something there? Or could we play Cole at right guard? This is another one that surprised me. So he had a pretty good game against Baltimore, I thought. Uh, I don't think he had a very good game here. Um, and I, I like he had I know PFF kind of agrees with me, but people are like still citing his grade because he had like a uh, pass grade in the 40s, which is terrible by PFF standards. And I thought he was horrible in pass protection. He got walked back as much, if not more, than we get mad at Garrett Bradbury for getting walked back. Um, here's what I think happened. He had a ton of double teams in the Ravens game. Um, they really protected him, and he did well. So they stopped protecting him in this game. And I think they tried to, you know, put pressure elsewhere or, or you know, give somebody else help or be more flexible with it. They don't have to spend all these schematic resources protecting him. And then he didn't answer that call very well. And specifically against Linval Joseph, a strong nose tackle, he was like in Kirk's lap for the entire game. So it's really weird to me that people are like solid start for Mason Cole. Like if that guy, if, if Garrett Bradbury had the exact same game, we would be frothing at the mouth over it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think so. And and if you don't fix the chief problem with Garrett Bradbury, which is, you know, power against bull rushes, right? Like that's the thing that he struggles with. If you're not better at that, it's like, what would you say you do here? And he'd you know, be a backup. That's fine. But he doesn't do the reach blocks. He's not as good in the second level. He's not as good at calling the protections. There were a couple other protection errors in this game that led to bad things. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't really see it with Cole being like a starter. Um, as a backup, solid. Come in, you know, make only so many mistakes. This is fine. But 
I feel like nobody can ever be a backup. They're either unrosterable and we cut them, and that's Dakota Dozier, or they must be a starter like Mason Cole. Nobody can just be, oh, yeah, he's a backup quality guy, had a backup quality game, can't wait to get the starter back. I don't know. I don't get it. I got a lot more questions to get to, but first, let's dream about the beach. It's winter. It's cold out, right? It's coming up to Thanksgiving. The, the trees are, are turning color. The grass is getting brown. Why don't we all daydream about the beach? And with Beachbound.com, that daydream can become a reality. You could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery or bound for togetherness you could be bound for immersion rejuvenation or encountering the unexpected with beachbound.com you can find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you are looking for what are you bound for visit beachbound.com today once again thank you so much for making locked on vikings your first listen of the day the next question comes from ryan nelson kane who says after the first two weeks is there enough of a sample size to say cam bynum is the heir apparent to harrison smith so there's a couple of safety questions um this is really interesting to me with uh with bynum because he was not supposed to be playing this position mike zimmer said basically uh after last week's game where he got the interception they said hey bynum played pretty well how is that development and he says well actually he was playing out of position so i it's probably more correct to say the vikings intend for cam bynum to be the heir apparent to xavier woods who's only on a one-year deal uh but now he's come in and played for Harrison Smith a couple times, and he's played that position well. Now, the thing about safety in the coverages and the, and the scheme that Zimmer runs is that it is kind of interchangeable. You can have a Harrison Smith next to a Harrison Smith. It's, it's not like, you know, offensive line where you can't have, like, a left tackle next to a left tackle. Somebody has to play left guard, you know? So it's this interesting thing. But I do think there is a future for Cam Bynum in this defense, whether it's replacing Woods, whether Harrison Smith gets old and retires and you replace him, whatever, there is a place for him, even if it's as depth for a little while. Again, it's okay to just be good as a backup and have a good backup. We were complaining a lot about depth early in the season. It's nice to have one of those things wrapped up. The Real GOP asks, this is very subjective, but it seems like the Vikings were not sustaining their run blocks yesterday. Is it just me or is that a thing? That's probably a thing. So I know Oli Udo has this really, really bad habit. And I, I think he was probably coached to do this at some point in his uh, in his career of if he doesn't get to the second level block like he'll have to climb out find a linebacker that means means he has to be a lot faster than he is and if he's too slow if he's late to that um then he'll just reach out and hold and a lot of coaches will actually tell you to do that because you get away with it enough times where it's actually worth it um i think you got to coach that out of him but that's the holding thing with Oli udo um in terms of sustaining their run blocks better or worse, I, I got to look at the tape to really, really answer this, and I'll get to it tomorrow. Um, so I, I got to kind of put a pin in this one, but I do know that, like, that's definitely a thing, especially with Ole Udo, you know, and the, and the holding penalties. Uh, Stizo asks, how material is the drop-off from Barr to Blake Lynch? Uh, pretty material. I, again, a backup plays well. We want to start. We want to eject the starter to the moon in his big contract, and it's like the guy can just be a backup. It's okay. Uh, but look, Blake Lynch. I thought he played pretty well. Um, I thought he had. I mean, he's he's gap sound, and that's nice. He's um, able to make some pretty cool plays on the perimeter and stuff. Anthony Barr processes things so quickly. He has a lot of physicality. Um, I think he's been able to stand up to offensive line blocks incredibly well for a linebacker. Uh, and of course, you know, the blitz package and the influencing on sim pressures and stuff like that. It's all stuff. Uh, so like right now, I think Blake Lynch is still a little bit too young, a little bit too green to take that over. But I think once we are in the post Anthony Barr era, if Blake Lynch is still around, he competes for that job. And that would be pretty nice. But right now it is there's absolutely like a material drop off in terms of the things schematically that you can do, uh, as well as just how confident you can be in uh, the defense you call being run properly 
And I, there's also just a huge difference in physicality. Blake Lynch is still a tiny little guy, and Anthony Barr still has his, like that strength. So that's the big, big difference is, you know, you get a guard on Blake Lynch, that guy's a blocking sled. You get a guard on Anthony Barr, he's going to hold it a little better. Doug Omvet says, what can be done about the two-minute defense? We'd be in so much better shape if we could not give up points every week at the end of both halves. This is really hard because the answer is corners do better things. <laughs> play better now you know they're getting like dpis and stuff and that really hurts but they're also just doing the thing where they just let 15 yard passes get caught in front of them you just can't do that so it's the corners have to play better i don't know if they have that in them but hopefully we get patrick peterson back this week if not next week uh john fisher says why kirk doesn't why doesn't kirk step up in the pocket more and let the pressure go around him it's there time and time again yeah, so I do share this critique of Kirk Cousins. So here's the way it has to work in like in the room, in the offensive room. This is how they talk about it, right? You've got a, a planned launch point for a play where and they'll they'll rehearse these dropbacks over and over and over again. So they can get to the right exact distance with the right exact time in the same amount of steps, you know, a five step drop back that's supposed to be I don't know, eight yards, call it, I don't know, but an eight yard drop. So you're eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, five step drop back that tells the tackles and the tackles know this. Okay, if he if the edge rusher is attacking nine yards deep, let him go because that's going to be a yard past the quarterback and he'll just loop right around harmlessly. If the tackles don't get there, um, then the quarterback has to step up. You know, the quarterback can take that eight yard drop back. And if the tackles are beating your or are getting beat around the edge, step up. Now it's a six yard drop back and you can help the launch point in that way. You've got to have the room in front of you. And sometimes that's not there, like with Mason Cole getting walked back against the Chargers or all the problems we had with Bradbury, right? But that's kind of the way we talk about it. And if you step up when you're not supposed to, though, you can kind of hang your tackle out to dry and suddenly he gets beat inside. So sometimes there's a communication thing with that where where you, you've kind of told the tackle to rely on the fact that like, no, I'm going to stay where I am. Just get him upfield for me. Um, or, you know, you can get him inside. You got eight yards in front of me or whatever. Like you talk about it. Um, but I do still, all of that said, I do still share the critique that Kirk Cousins, at a certain point, be a person, right? <laughs> there's room in front of you, there's pressure coming at you, just step up and avoid it. Waka Waka asks, is it worse to constantly get blown up or hold? Curious if it's even worth it to have Udo out there, he's ruined countless drives with these holding penalties. Yeah, so kind of what I was talking about earlier, sometimes you are coached to do that on purpose. You'll say, hey, if you didn't get him, just, just try to get away with one, right? And if you get away with it, it's not a 10-yard penalty and you made your block, right? It's a way to save a block and it's a little risky, you're risking a 10-yard penalty but you're trying um i think you just got to get that out of him that's a, a bad habit either the vikings are coaching him to have which i think is a bad decision and they should undo that decision or it's a, a habit he got in college that he hasn't worked out and then you got to coach it out of him right the thing is whenever i watch udo he has just enough flashy blocks where i'm like ah oh, he's got it in him like, I do think he has that potential in him. He just can't. He's just got a couple of bad habits he has to get rid of, and he needs his eyes to improve. He needs to see the defensive front a little bit better from the guard position than he is right now. And that's part of, you know, being new to the position and stuff. Um, there are a lot more questions about Udo, about the safeties, about everything going on in this Chargers game, and we will get to them. But first, I want to tell you about my favorite app. It is GetUpside. It's my favorite new app on my phone because every time I have to go get gas, I can look at GetUpside. It'll tell me which gas station to go to and I can get a little bit of cash back. Just take a little off the top of that, those ever-rising gas prices. Just go to the GetUpside app. It is a free app at the Google Play or App Store and you can get up to 25 cents off per gallon at the pump that adds up if you drive a lot that's like two three hundred bucks a month you're getting back in cash back there's no catch you can catch out whenever you want you can just do direct deposit to your bank or paypal or if you're into it like an amazon gift card or whatever 
And as you sign up, if you use the promo code touchdown, you can get up to 50 cents off per gallon. That's an extra 25 cents off per gallon on your first fill up at the pump. That's promo code touchdown at the get upside app, Google play or app store free app and use promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents off on your first fill up. All right, a few more questions to rip through here. Let's get to them. JP says, is it possible to have Bynum, Smith, and Woods in the field in the same time when Smith returns? I think it makes a ton of sense if we're trying to get our best players on the field. So yeah, absolutely, right? Get your best 11 out there. And there is some precedent for a three-safety thing. Uh, it's probably not going to be very exciting to you considering how they're playing this year, but this is the Chiefs. The Chiefs do this all the time. And the Chiefs did this when they won the Super Bowl too. So it's not like they made this change and everything fell apart. They don't have the horses to run this anymore. Um, like they have really, really bad secondary guys and you know daniel Sorensen and stuff um but basically yeah they do that and sometimes that'll replace a nickel corner sometimes that'll replace a will linebacker like it would replace like nick vigil and you just have a little bit of a speedier thing on the outside sometimes this is in nickel packages where you're taking the nose tackle off the field and you're like way faster on you know third and long and stuff like that so there is definitely a place for that package and the vikings have done this they did this a lot versus dallas as a way to kind of counter some of the weird things kellen moore was doing um and i actually think for when they used it it it, it worked pretty well in that game so there's totally precedent for this and to a similar end uh certified kellen mon stan asks what do we do at the safety position going forward bynum has been playing too well for him to be benched and woods looks like a potential extension candidate yeah so i so i think all three safeties have been playing fine and again one of them can just be the backup. It's okay. Like, we just lost a dude for two weeks to COVID. We could lose Xavier Woods for four weeks to a hamstring injury, just like Patrick Peterson. It's nice to be protected against that. We don't have to find some way to you know, exactly maximize every single person on the roster. Insurance policies are valuable, and that's what Bynum becomes, right? If you want to get them all on the field at the same time for a three-safety package and it works with the game plan, great. Go for it. In the future... Yeah, it's an interesting thing. For my money, if I had to guess, I would guess Xavier Woods wants to go make more money somewhere. He's going to go, you know, somewhere that's going to pay the crap out of him. And we go with Smith and Bynum. If Bynum truly is as ready as he's looked in these two games, which it's a small sample, right? It could be lying to us. Um, But yeah, that's where I think it goes. And then once Harrison Smith is too old, once he retires and stuff, you have Bynum and Anita at safety. And that's three, four years down the road, maybe because Harrison Smith hasn't really slowed down. Somebody said Harrison Smith lost a step and it's wild. It's like you haven't seen him in two games. I don't I don't believe people who say they have that opinion. <laughs> Show me. But if you wanted to extend Xavier Woods, keep Bynum on the roster and then have like Woods and Bynum be your duo for the next few years, I'd probably be game for that. There's kind of no wrong way to do it. When you got a bunch of good players, it's like only good options, right? Mark Lackey says, when does Ole Udo get replaced? How many more penalties does he need to get? So I don't think there's like a threshold. I don't think there's like a countdown. All right, once you get your 12th penalty, it's over. No, I, I think for one, there needs to be somebody better waiting in the wings. And I think we always assume this with, with backups. I mean, when a backup plays well, he must start, right? And when a backup hasn't played, well, he must be better than this bad starter. And it's this really weird trope we've been doing since the dawn of time, since, uh, you know, Tavares Jackson was supposed to start over Brooks Bollinger or other references that are older than I would be able to get. But here's where I'm at with Oli Udo. I sympathize with it. Again, I see the potential. He can move guys like he can just sled guys. He has the uh, the the sand in his pants and the anchor. He's got the mean streak. He can move okay. I see it. And it's just, he's just making too many mistakes. So I say it's probably going to be more fruitful to coach the holding penalty thing out of him and tell him to stop doing that. Uh, and if they are not telling him to stop doing that, if they're still okay with those holding penalties as a cost to like winning more reps or whatever, I think that's a bad decision. 
um, but that's the decision they'd be making. But look, when when Ole Udo went down for a little bit in, I think it was the Ravens game, uh, Blake Brandle came out, not Wyatt Davis. So I don't know. Do you like Blake Brandle more? I don't know if I like Blake Brandle more. So I, I think we just, we, we've got the guy we've got, and I think it's possible to fix him if you can just kind of make that decision too. Vikings disappointment enthusiast says, I see Armin Watts is out snapping Richardson at this point in the season. Interesting. I didn't know that. I understand Watts is occupying most of the nose tackle snaps in Pierce's absence, but wouldn't a Richardson Tomlinson interior be more effective or is Tomlinson focusing on three tech better long-term for the team? I wouldn't read too far into it. Um, Armin Watts has played well and earned that. And and I actually, there's an argument to be made. I think that Watts has outplayed Richardson. I don't know if I would make it. I don't have enough information to do it, but I think you could probably get there. I thought Watts had a pretty good game against the Chargers in particular. I think he's had a couple of pretty good ones going back here. Um, and he seems to be a little bigger and stronger than he was last year. You know, he got washed out of a lot of plays last year. I think that's happening a little less. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's an argument to be made that maybe that's just worth it. Um, and especially on rundowns, I would rather have Watts and Tomlinson than Watts and Richardson because Richardson does get washed out. He always has been washed out or he'll penetrate and kind of abandon his gap and, you know, let a guy through and all that. Um, so I, I think that's probably defensible. But also, yeah, Armin Watts is a nose tackle. Sheldon Richardson is a three technique. Um, put Dalvin Tomlinson wherever you want. Uh, maybe that's their idea, but I, I don't even think they're thinking long term. You know, when you're in the week to week of a football season, when you're just trying to get ready for the next game, you're not thinking about what's better for next year to do. You're thinking about what helps me win this game. And for now, they probably think that that's Dalvin Tomlinson at three technique, where he's been pretty good. Skull Light says the last two weeks, what have you seen from the defensive line that gives you hope since Hunter's departure? Same thing. Um, so again, Watts, I thought had a pretty good game. Um, I, DJ Wanham, I, I, I've been kind of a DJ Wanham hater. He's winning me over a little bit. I like the way he's played, but really James Lynch in a rotational role keeps flashing. He keeps popping off the tape to me. Um, he put Corey Lindsley on his butt once in the game. Uh, he like pancaked him fully. Like he's, he's stronger. He would get washed out a ton last year. It looks like he's put on a lot of bulk. He's playing that nose tackle job. I think I see what Mike Zimmer was talking about in the preseason when we were all like, what James Lynch? Um, and those plays are hard to find because it's just the nature of nose tackle. It's hard to see them, but once you find them, you're like, wow, that's like really impressive. So I don't know. James Lynch is my answer to that question. Ty asks, why don't we bring more pressure in the two minute drill? Boy, I thought they brought a ton of, well, I don't know about the two minute drill at the end. Um, but if you blitz too much, uh, a quarterback like Justin Herbert's really good at throwing hot and just punishing those blitzes and so you got to take that quarterback by quarterback for some quarterback you know against sam darnold yeah go for it right against jared goff go ham let it loose um, but against quarterbacks who are a little better at countering the blitz like aaron Rodgers, famously do not blitz aaron Rodgers because uh, he will punish it every single time just rush forward do your best in coverage ethan king asks i'm not going to let the chargers win give me too much hope but what are the chances that these one score games start to regress to the mean and the vikings go on a bit of a streak in the second half of the season um so regression to the mean i, I think we often mistake it for like if you go one in five in close games then that means you're going to go five and one in close games next time and that's not the case you go one in five in close games you're going to regress toward the mean but the mean is three and three right so you still at the end of that season would be what would that be four and eight in close games if you had 12 close games so yeah, it'll, it might regress some, and maybe this was part of that because this was a one-score game that they won, um, but it won't just turn into this big, long streak. That's not what regression to the mean means, <laughs> uh, no pun intended. Um, 
But I mean, there's nothing stopping them from winning games by more than a point too, or right? Like maybe we could win by more than a score one of these days. Uh, Bishop Sycamore alumnus says, if you could go back in time and undo the Harrison deal, would you rather go into 2022 with an extended Woods next to Bynum? Small sample size on cam acknowledged. So absolutely not. Um, again, a backup played well does not make the starter obsolete. Just means we have a good insurance policy for him and we can just be happy with that. That is just good. And a thing that we can just take to the bank and be okay with. Um, but also Cam Bynum was really bad in the preseason at his calls. And I think he's needed some time to study and stuff and, and learn a little bit more. And now he's better at the calls and that's great. We would have had some absolute catastrophes earlier in the season. Like, I don't know if that Seattle game goes as well. I don't know if the lions or the Panthers go as well. Like those are games, the you know, wins that they're going to have needed. Um, so I, I, it's nice that he's playing well kind of in relief here. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think I would undo. I mean, I didn't like the extension when it happened. It seemed a little rich to me. I, did, I thought it was too much money. So I guess if I could go back in time and make it less money, I would. Who wouldn't? Um, but knowing what I know about Cam Bynum doesn't really change that take. Uh, Nate Stanley for starter. <laughs> I love your commitment to the bit guy. Uh, says, did you get anything to eat at the game? And if so, how was it? Um, I got tsunami tots, which were uh, tater tots dressed with like uh, kind of eastern like soy sauce and fish flakes kind of blend and may it's like tasted like what you would put on sushi kind of yeah it's pretty good uh that's all the questions here thank you so much for uh making lockdown vikings your first listen of the day tomorrow we're going to go over the tape we're going to talk a little bit more deep football stuff hopefully my voice will be back a little bit as well uh i will see you all then in the meantime go check out the peacock and williamson podcast they're talking about everything they'll probably talk about monday night football and all that probably talk about all the games on monday if you're listening to this so go check that out i'll see you all tomorrow and as always skull